Well, good morning and welcome to Edgewood Baptist Church. We're so glad that the Lord put it on your heart to be here today. And as you make your way to your seat, we do want the Lord to call us into worship this morning. In Psalm chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down towards your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. Let's all stand together and praise the name of Jesus. Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet. My Savior on that cursed tree. His body bowed and drenched in
you with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore, forevermore. can't you? <laughs> All right. I love that verse that uh, Andy opened up with as, um, as we heard the Lord from his word call us into worship from Psalm 5. Out of the abundance of your steadfast love, I will enter your temple. We have what a privilege and honor that we get to come out of the steadfast love that the Lord has for us and come and worship the Lord together. Not because of anything within ourselves or anything we've done or anything we can do, but simply because of his steadfast, unfailing, unchanging love, we can come and worship him and praise him and praise his name together. So welcome to Edgewood Baptist Church. It's a joy to welcome you all uh, to our service today. If you're a guest, welcome. We pray that you are greatly blessed in the time that we have together and that you're well loved. If you are a guest, I'd encourage you uh, on the pew in front of you, we should have visitor cards uh, that you'll see and we would encourage you. There's just a little bit of information uh, on that card that we would ask of you. And as you exit, uh, you can slip those into the boxes in between the aisles. And that'll give us a way to reach out to you and see how we can minister to you uh, and serve you here at Edgewood. So thank you for being here. Edgewood would encourage you uh, as you look around today to, to make sure that you look for anybody who, who looks unfamiliar um, and go and say hey and welcome them uh, well. A few announcements. Oh, for guests and Edgewood people, if you just like to know things, we have a fancy new brochure. Uh, so that's out in the vestibule. Um, it's six by six, which I'm told psychologists say that, you know, people are more willing to grab it up if they're different size. All right. The experts who put the expert who put this together said that. So I love it. So uh, all kinds of good information about the different ministries at the church. So if you're interested in how to get connected, whether it be youth or music or, or whatever it may be, there's all kinds of good information in here and you can find those in the vestibule. Um, and uh, yeah, I would encourage you to pick one of those up. Uh, a few announcements. Uh, we have a full slate of evening services uh, going on this evening. Uh, so we have Awana, uh, or yeah, Awana at 5.30, and uh, in, here in the sanctuary, 6 p.m. service. Uh, on the note for Awana, one, and we could do this for all the ministries that go on at Edgewood, is for our people to continue to be in prayer for them. I just wanted to share um, a quick observation from, uh, from the Awana ministry. So last week, 
Um, they invited parents to come and, and, and check some things out uh, while the kids were in Awana. And so I went and visited with the Sparks crew for a little bit, and so my seven-year-old is in Sparks. And so I listened um, as uh, one of the leaders was, was doing some teaching at the beginning of uh, their time together. And I was just completely just, just so encouraged and thankful to the Lord um, for what he's doing in the Awana ministry. And so uh, the person who was teaching just was laying out the gospel from the beginning of scripture on through and using so many of the things that they, we've been teaching through on Exodus on Sunday mornings, walking through so many of their verses, and the kids were so involved and listening so well. But the person who was teaching it was teaching so well to the kids, just such beautiful, wonderful truths. And I, I told him afterwards, I was like, that was just so amazing. I, I was getting choked up just hearing you teach through the gospel. Uh, um, and it was just so, I'm so thankful so that my kids get exposed to that kind of teaching on a regular basis here at Edgewood, whether it's Sunday school or Praiseville or Awana, I'm incredibly thankful. So Edgewood, I would encourage you to continue to be in prayer for all the ministries that we have, but especially for, um, for those areas that minister directly to our children from the generation that's, uh, that's coming on after us. So be in prayer for them, and we're extremely thankful for Awana and all the leaders uh, that, that carry on that, that wonderful ministry. Uh, Gentle and Lowly. Uh, today will be the last day to sign up for Gentle and Lowly, so I would encourage you. Uh, we have sign-up sheets down front and books down front, so we'll be starting that book study in the next week or two, and we'll be calling people very shortly, letting you know um, uh, where and when we're meeting and, and who your host home is. So I would encourage you, if you haven't signed up, it's not too late, but you need to do that today. And so if you want to sign up today, come down front and talk to me after the service, and you can get a book. And if you're in the, uh, if you already signed up but haven't got a book, come get your book today. We have a box down front and would love to give them away. Um, and if you have any questions or anything, feel free to come talk to me after the service, and, and I'll try and answer those as best I can. Next uh, Sunday evening, so February 5th at 6 p.m. here in the sanctuary, we're going to be having a member meeting. So uh, the member meeting, if, if you haven't been to one, you need to come to it. So Edgewood people, if you are a member here, you ought to be here. Uh, they are some of the most encouraging times that we participate, participate in as a body. I know meetings, that doesn't you know, sound like the most fun term, so maybe if we need to brand it differently or something. But what happens in the member meeting is one, we, one of the most important things that we do is we get to vote in new members and hear their testimonies. And so Edgewood people, you get to lay eyes on, on who's joining the body here. And for the new members, they get to look out and see who is uh, coming and affirming uh, their desire to join this body here at Edgewood Baptist Church. And so we get a chance to welcome them well. So I would encourage you, if you can participate, please be here uh, next Sunday evening at 6 p.m. here in the sanctuary for uh, our member meeting. All right, let's turn our attention to uh, the Lord in word and prayer. So if you would, open your Bibles and turn to uh, Psalm 111. Psalm 111. We're going to read uh, this chapter, and then uh, we'll go to the Lord in a time of prayer, and I'll pray for us whenever I'm done reading today. 
would encourage you as we, uh, as we read and as we pray together to keep your Bibles open uh, as we thank the Lord for his faithfulness, for his goodness, for his grace and mercy to us in all of his works and in all that he is and who he is for his people. So let's read and then we'll pray and then we'll continue in song together. Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright and the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, and giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Let's pray. Most holy God, we thank you that in your grace and in your mercy, um, because of the abundance of your steadfast love towards your people, we can come and worship you today and praise your name together. Lord God, we thank you for all the ways in which you show yourself to be faithful. Lord God, even when we show ourselves to be so unfaithful, you show yourself to be faithful. Lord God, we do thank you for your steadfast covenant love that you have for us. We thank you for all the ways in which you provide for us, all the ways you care for us the ways in which you, are, uh, you lead us along green pastures or beside still waters, and even the ways in which you, uh, you provide for us, you care for us, you protect us, you preserve us when we're going through the valley of the shadow of death. Lord God, as we experience sorrows and, and just the realities of living in this fallen and broken world, that we can know your nearness. So we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord God, we thank you that in your grace and in your mercy you have caused your wondrous works to be remembered and to be written down and preserved for our sake so that we can come to know you. We thank you that you delight to reveal yourself to us in the pages of Scripture by the power of your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord God, even as we give ourselves over to singing the truths of Scripture, to praying through your word and studying your word in just a little while, Lord God, that by your Spirit you would continue to reveal yourself to us. And if there are any here today who do not yet know you, that you would open up their eyes to see just how good and gracious and glorious you are, how worthy you are to be worshipped, and that they would come to know the salvation that's found in Jesus and in Jesus alone. And we thank you, Lord God, that you have sent redemption for your people, that you have sent your son Jesus. While we were far from you and without hope in the world, while we were lost, while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, we thank you that you would send your son out of love for us that you, Lord Jesus, would delight to do your Father's will and would uh, delight to redeem a people for yourself through your sacrificial death on the cross, taking upon yourself the punishment and the judgment that we deserve so that we could be reconciled, so that we could be forgiven, um, so that we could be brought near to God. And so in your name, we want to come and worship you and glorify you today, and we pray that your Holy Spirit would do that in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before we uh, sing, a uh, little teaching moment here. Um, this next song that we're going to sing is entitled Come Thou Fount, and a song that is very familiar to the church. Uh, and there's a word in the second verse 
second verse says, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come. And so many times as a child when I saw that word Ebenezer, I'm thinking, why are we singing about the Scrooge? <laughs> but, but then when you actually go to the Word of God and you see what this word actually means, uh, it makes it come alive. And so Ebenezer comes from a Hebrew phrase that means stone of help. And in 1 Samuel, the prophet Samuel sets up a stone to uh, commemorate the help that God uh, had given the Israelites. And I'd like to just read that passage before we sing. It's in uh, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 7, starting in verse 7. It says, When the Philistine rulers heard that Israel had gathered in Mitzvah, they mobilized their army in advance. The Israelites were badly frightened when they learned that the Philistines were approaching. Don't stop pleading with the Lord, our God, to save us from the Philistines. They begged Samuel. So Samuel took a young lamb and offered it to the, to the Lord as a whole burnt offering. He pleaded with the Lord to help Israel, and the Lord answered him. Just as Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines arrived to attack Israel. But the Lord spoke with a mighty voice of thunder from heaven that day. And the Philistines were thrown in, into such confusion that the Israelites defeated them. The men of Israel chased them from Mitzvah to the place below Bethkar, slaughtering them all along the way. Samuel then took a large stone and placed it between the town's Mitzvah and Jeshahan. Jeshana. Am I right? Works. The, the Lord knows, right? He named it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. For he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. And so I know we all can attest to a time or place when we called out for the Lord and he helped us. Maybe not the way we saw fit, but so, when, so I encourage you, when we sing this song, when we get to that second, second verse, would you shout it out? Here I raise my Ebenezer. He is our stone of help, right? He is our Lord God, the God that helps us. And so let's stand as we sing together.
Who is 
time we'll dismiss our kids to Praiseville so kids kindergarten through third grade can make their way to the back they'll be received there by our Praiseville leaders All right as the kids are making their way back let me uh, doing something a little bit different today. Most of you are probably aware that last Sunday was uh, the Sanctity of Life Sunday. Um, of course, there's, a, uh, there's the annual march that happens in Washington, D.C. Uh, over the weekend on uh, Saturday, the day before, there's a, a gathering even down at the uh, government center here in Columbus. And uh, many churches across the nation observe um, on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade that Sunday uh, uh, Sanctity of Life service. They do it in different ways. Some will give an entire service to it, some at least a, a mention, a prayer. Um, it's been our habit because of, can, can I be cut back a little bit? Where's, I feel, do I feel loud? Okay, all right. Maybe that's just me. I just need to stop shouting. All right, thank you. Um, for, for years, our church has observed Sanctity of Life Sunday, but a week after the fact because of our connection with Sound Choices. One of the things that typically would happen is that uh, on Sanctity of Life Sunday, of course proper, uh, many of the volunteers and, uh, and staff members who work for Sound Choices are kind of scattered out at different churches in the Columbus Phoenix City area. And uh, because of uh, our previous pastor, my father's role in founding that center, um, he sort of had an in. So he could have some of those volunteers come back on the following Sunday to meet with us. So we just put ours off by one Sunday, and that's what we're doing today. So we did not make any mention of, uh, of Sanctity of Life Sunday last week because we were going to be doing something this week. So in a minute, I'm going to have uh, Melissa come up 
to share a few things with us, introduce the contingent that's with her. I've been told not to ask these people to come and stand at the front, so I'm not going to do that, Rhonda. You're welcome, all right? <laughs> but in saying all of that, uh, before I bring Melissa Howard up, let me, let me just say a couple things. Just in the run-up to this Sunday, as I was um, thinking about the, the time that we would give to, uh, to this emphasis or recognition, I was just thinking about, of course, uh, first and foremost, just the long history that Edgewood has been privileged um, to have with the pro-life movement and advocating for and, um, and persuading people for the cause of life. And it's easy to, to think primarily in terms of uh, what happens down at Sound Choices. Um, but the, the reality is that for, for years back, ever since I was a kid and even to this, uh, to this present day, much of uh, what goes into um, our pro-life advocacy, of course, happens in a formal way at Sound Choices, but, but spills over into other areas of life and other ministries that people are involved in, even here from Edgewood. So I just started to, to jot down a couple things just off the top of my head, and I, I know this is not exhaustive, and if I leave you or someone else out, please forgive me, there was no intent. But if you, just starting with, uh, with Sound Choices staff and volunteers, I know we've got people like Jeannie Adams. Where is Jeannie? Somewhere, yes, um, who has been um, a, a volunteer counselor at Sound Choices for years and years. Banks Carroll, one of our elders, is the uh, current medical director um, for Sound Choices. We've had uh, multiple people who have come on and off of the board on a, on a rotation, like Jerry Goldsmith and Mike Maldonado. Haley Merritt now is, is on the board. Um, Paul Grubb has, uh, has provided some security help from time to time and even some good advice and counsel. Paul's son Noah spent a little bit of time in Tennessee with a pro-life uh, organization and is interested these days in trying to actually do some evangelism and witnessing outside of the abortion clinic here in town. Um, so there's uh, movement afoot there. Um, we've got a parenting class that my mom has been doing for I don't know how many years now where uh, ladies and couples actually that come through Sound Choices have an opportunity to meet on a weekly basis to get um, uh, basic instruction on what it's going to be like to raise children and how to teach and discipline and practical skills. My mom has a little bit of experience with 10 kids and so we figured who better than to put in front of these people and tell them this is what, you're, this is what you ought to expect. We have a family advocacy ministry um, where we have a, a handful of people, Cartwrights, Cooks, uh, different couples and families who have been involved in that in various ways and to various degrees. But my simple point is this, to say that um, while much of uh, the attention that, that we'll give here in just a moment goes to Sound Choices, as a, as a pastor here at Edgewood, I want to commend this body for your faithful support of Sound Choices and the work that they do in terms of the time that you yourself personally have put in in volunteering and the financial resources that you've given. But I also want to commend uh, so many other people in the body to say that you have been obedient and sensitive to the Lord's leading and direction to use other skills and talents and to seize on opportunities to do the Lord's work that further the cause of life beyond the hours that Sound Choices is open on a, on a week 
weekday basis, and, and that is to be commended. I think one of the things that God has done in bringing his people together in local congregations is that he brings people together from different backgrounds, he equips them with different skills and abilities so that the work of the ministry does not become so narrow and so constricted that it can't reach out to a variety of needs and impact not only people who are coming in, but impact the community around us. And so I am thrilled to think about the many different ways that our people have actually lived out our convictions about the sanctity of human life to support not only those people who are struggling with making the right decision to save a child rather than to kill a child, but to support them as they bring that baby to full term, as the baby is delivered, and as uh, that child is nurtured in a, in a safe home environment, just all of those things thrill me to death. So, Edgewood, you are to be commended, and I thank you for all the time and the effort that you have put in, and would encourage you to continue to do that. Your work is not in vain. Having said that, I will ask Melissa Howard, who is the Director of Sound Choices, to come up. She will share what is on her mind just to give you a little update on what's happening in the world of Sound Choices and will even introduce briefly her little contingent of people sitting down here. I tell you, but I'm one of his most favorite people in the whole world, right, Jonathan? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and he's mine, so anyway, there we go. Good morning. It is great to be here, like always. It's like coming home. Um, so I do want to start by introducing the people that make the ministry happen. I think Jonathan didn't want to do it because he couldn't read the names. or I don't know. Andy used to always call the development director the developmental director, and I think Jonathan was just scared of that. So I'll do it for you. I'll make you look good. How about that? Okay. So I'm Melissa Howard, the executive director, also known as Trouble, but a good kind of trouble, right? Right. Um, I'm not going to ask you to come up here, but if you'll just stand and remain standing until everyone's name is called. Karen Herndon, she's my nurse manager. Kara Livingston, she's our sonographer, or RDMS, Registered Diagnostic Medical Sonographer. Um, Rhonda Hathaway, everybody knows Rhonda. She's our star, staff RN. I started to say you're our star. You're our star. Erin um, Gatowski, our development director. Joanne Montgomery, our office manager. Renee Davidson, our admin assistant. And then two of my staff couldn't be here today. One is sick and one is out of town on a ski trip, and so we miss them. But um, I could not do what I do without my staff. We are a family, and we do life together, and so I'm thankful for each of you. And then is Banks here today? Out of town. So Dr. Banks Carroll is our medical director. And seriously, if it wasn't for Banks, we could not offer the services that we offer. And his wife, Cheryl, who's been on our board, but um, she's like our the person we go to when we need somebody to pray for us or to encourage us, and so we, we love her very much. And then our board members, Mike Maldonado, stand please, Mike. Um, Haley Merritt. Haley used to be a volunteer at Sound Choices, and I always, when she had children, all y'all three sitting right there, yes, mm-hmm. She went away for a little while, but I always joked and said, she'll come back, and here she is. We're thankful. Um, Jerry Goldsmith, where's Jerry? There he is. And Terry Hathaway, is Terry in here? I don't see Terry. 
Oh, he's back there. He's not listening to me. He's, he's good at that. Oh, there he is. There he is. And then our volunteers from Edgewood, Jeannie Adams, and then Kathy Merritt. But Kathy told me she was in the nursery. She's always in the nursery on Sanctity of Life Sunday. I don't know what's up with that. Do you do that on purpose? Okay. Am I missing anybody? If so, please forgive me. So let's give them a round of applause. You may be seated. Rhonda, are you happy? Okay. Did you, did you make that happen? Okay. She's going to get me, but I'm, I'm not scared. All right. Um, Jonathan kind of stole some of the things I was going to talk about, but I just guess we have the same Holy Spirit. And so we just, yeah. So anyway, it's all good. But 2022 was, uh, it was a year. Can I just say that? Um, so much change, so much uncertainty. Um, I think it was even even more difficult year than COVID, wouldn't y'all say? It was just it was just an unusual year, but God has been so faithful to sound choices, and He has used you, each of you in this room, to bless the ministry. And I wanted to clap the whole time you were talking because y'all really have stepped up and and been the hands and feet of Jesus. And the staff and the board say thank you so much. Um, for standing with us, and for your prayers, and for your generosity. And there are a few people that I want to thank, and I hope I don't forget anybody, because I'm really trying not to, but um, I did mention um, Banks Carroll, and then Mr. Linwood, is he in here? He comes every couple of weeks and drops off supplies that we need, whether it be boxes of food or supplies from Sam's. And he's been so faithful, and it's just been so sweet. Joanne says it's so neat to see his smiling face when he comes, so we're thankful for him. Um, Suzanne Miller, she makes all kind of goodies for our parenting class participants. Red velvet cake, cookies, muffins, and Rhonda tries to steal them, but we, we try not to let her. Um, and then Jovan Goldsmith helps with the cleaning. I know you're excited that I called you out. Yeah. She helps make sure that we keep both buildings clean. And I think Jerry helps her sometimes. Right, Jerry? Yeah. Um, and then Haley Merritt and Caitlin Merritt have helped with the family advocacy ministry that Jonathan was talking about earlier. So they're my go-tos when I need help and we try to figure it out together. And then Paul Grubb. Thank you, Paul, for helping with our security over the summer when... Things were uncertain, and we needed some off-duty help, and we appreciate that so much. Um, and then Jeannie Adams Sunday School class, they provided a wonderful meal for our one of our volunteer trainings, and it was some really good food. I'm sure most of y'all in here know that those ladies can cook good. And then the person that I want to give a shout-out to, and I'm going to have to ask forgiveness later, but it's okay. Um, during the summer after Roe v. Wade and we were – all the centers in the United States were um, on alert because um, of the opposition. Um, it was a little, we weren't scared, but there was a little feeling of not quite sure what this is going to look like. So one of your church members, um, our board members, was there every morning before we got there and was there every evening, and he was the last one to leave. So I just want to give a shout-out to Jerry Goldsmith, um, you made us feel safe, and we appreciate you so much. Thank you. 
So Hebrews 16 reminds me of each of you. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help him, continue to help them. So thank you, Edgewood Baptist Church, for your support and for being the hands and feet of Jesus. So 2022 was a busy year. We served 1,912 moms and babies. Um, we had 82 moms who were considering abortion. Um, those moms chose life, and we're so thankful for that number. Yeah. <laughs> and a number that we love just as much as we had 26 of those women pray to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So they have an eternal home in heaven. And this is, this is the heart of Sound Choices. Our first and primary concern is for that birth mother as she seeks information, support, and hope. We are committed to demonstrating unconditional love towards her regardless if she forsakes our counsel and obtains an abortion because sometimes that happens. But we're still there for her and love her if she comes back and wants to walk through that healing and forgiveness. And this was Andy's heart. He loved that birth mother. And this was his heart when he started the ministry over, it was 42 years ago this year. Um, and then secondly, we need your prayers. Please pray for Sound Choices as we minister to those in our community. Um, there are lots of new challenges, lots of new obstacles. Um, the abortion pill is making it harder and harder to reach those women before they make a quick, quick rash decision. Um, so, yes, abortion is still legal in Georgia, and yes, there are restrictions, but abortions are still occurring, and mostly, like I said, by means of the abortion pill. So how can you pray? Pray that there would be restricted access to the abortion pill. That is the new tool that the enemy is using um, to deceive these women. Um, pray for the passing of Georgia's Women Health and Safety Act. Um, pray that more women in this area would be aware of the help that is available to them at Sound Choices. And then pray that more churches would continue to help with ongoing support for families who face an unplanned pregnancy. Um, I'm going to end in just a moment. We're going to end with um, Kara sharing a patient story with you because it just makes it that much more real. But um, before I leave the stage, I just want to say again, thank you for your support. We love and appreciate each of you. And Sound Choices will continue to share the hope, the love, and the forgiveness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the answer, and he is the reason that Sound Choices exist. Thank you so much. Hey guys, so I'm Kara, as Melissa said, and I'm on the medical staff at Sound Choices. Um, so I just wanted to share a quick patient story with you guys. Um, back in the beginning of December, we had a patient that came in for a pregnancy test appointment. Um, and she came in abortion-minded, just stating that she basically felt she had to have an abortion because of financial reasons. Uh, she felt she had nothing to give her baby financially. The patient advocate asked if she would like to watch a short video that would give her more detailed information on abortion. She had never had an abortion in her past and she didn't know much about the process. So the patient responded that she would like to watch the video. 
When the patient advocate re-entered the room after the video had ended, the patient admitted that she was shocked by the facts that she had just learned about abortion, um, specifically the harmful risk associated with taking the abortion pill. The patient then asked her patient advocate, what would Jesus say? So this opened the door for our patient advocate to be able to share the truth of what God says about life. By the end of their conversation, the patient was leaning towards carrying her baby to term. So next, someone on the medical staff was able to come in and talk with her about what her next steps would be. Um, one of those being applying for pregnancy Medicaid. When pregnancy Medicaid was explained to the patient, the fact that pregnancy Medicaid covers um, any and all medical costs during pregnancy, she was so relieved. She had no clue that this resource was available to her. She said that paying for doctor's visits and labor and delivery was the main reason that she felt that she had to have an abortion. Her fiance had been so stressed about thinking about providing all the finances for doctor's visits and such that he hadn't even been able to be excited about the pregnancy. So we offered to do an ultrasound for her that day so she could actually see the life that she had now heard so much about. Her patient advocate was able to be present in the ultrasound room with her as she saw her baby for the first time. Her baby measured eight weeks and one day with a beautifully beating heart. And the patient left that day planning to carry her baby to term and parent her baby. She was so thankful for our services and so thankful to learn of the resources that were available to her in our community. This is just one example of a woman coming to Sound Choices and feeling pressure to abort because of lack of basic needs. Basic needs such as diapers, wipes, food, clothing, these things seem so small, but to be able to pr provide these to a mama makes a huge impact. These items really make a difference, and for these women to know that there's help and that they're not alone in their pregnancy. So again, we just want to thank you guys for your part in providing all of these things and more um, to the women that come in at Sound Choices daily. So thank you guys. If you have your Bible with you, open to Psalm 12. In the, in the run-up to this Sunday, I had uh, wrestled a little bit with whether or not we would uh, give some time um, drawing attention to sound choices, the work that they do, the overall uh, cause for life, and then perhaps after that, just return to our series in Exodus. Um, I decided against doing that that we would hit pause and maybe do a, a standalone message today. Um, if for no other reason, then I was, uh, was a little concerned, maybe unnecessarily so, but a little concerned that after having given a, a Sunday sermon for so many years uh, on Sanctity of Life Sunday, that um, not doing so in the, the, the year following the Dobbs decision when Roe was overturned might give the impression that we're good and content with the way that things are, right? Like Rose overturned, okay, that's it, we're done, happy, and just continue on. That's, that's not my perspective. I know that's not the perspective of the other elders here and, and this church body. 
we believe, because of what we are told in the Scriptures, that God's Word says, that God Himself has said, that abortion is murder, that it's the taking of an innocent life, it is unjustified. And so whether that happens at 15 weeks, or six weeks, or one week, it's still taking a life, it's still sin. Let me say very clearly though, I'm not so naive to think that in a gathering of people this size that there, that there may not be someone who has an abortion in their personal history, either as a mom who ended her life or as a boyfriend or as a husband who encouraged it, all right? You, please hear me, if you don't hear anything else that is said this morning, you need to hear this. Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Even though the taking of an innocent human life of a child is sin, it is wrong, it is murder, it causes us to be guilty as we stand before a holy and righteous God. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God himself would say to you, that if you confess your sin, he is faithful and right to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. If that's you, you can have that burden, that weight lifted off of your shoulders and off of your conscience today, free. If that's you, you've got a whole contingent of people here these ladies who are at Sound Choices who would love to talk to you. I would love to talk to you. You can find me at the back of the sanctuary once this service is over, and if you want to stay and talk after the service, I'll stay as long as what you'd like. Other people in this congregation will be happy to encourage you and to confirm the free offer of forgiveness because this entire room, whether you believe it or not, is filled with redeemed sinners. Psalm 12. I was reading, uh, reading through the scriptures in some of my devotional time a couple weeks ago. Psalm 12 was one of the passages that I read. Let me tell you why it stuck out to me and why um, we're going to spend a little bit of time in Psalm 12 this morning before we actually uh, walk our way through it a little bit. Uh, it really was the very first verse. Psalm 12, help, Lord, for the godly man ceases to be, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. That grabbed me, particularly in this, in this context and in, in this, on this subject of the sanctity of life, because one of the things that was a little unsettling, at least in my mind, was that when the Dobbs decision was handed down and, it, and the federal protection uh, of abortion that, that stood in the road decision was nullified and undone and it went back to the states. That was a joyful day. That was a day that the church could celebrate. It was a little disheartening though, just being honest, that some of the voices, and, and some of these people I'm, I'm talking about, you know, not, not here, but out there, you know, maybe prominent people 
people who have you know a little bit more of a platform or an audience I you know thought that they might be a little bit more vocal or full-throated in their celebrating that and it and and some of it was was very timid or very tepid some that that I would have expected to have heard or read something from didn't really say anything at all and then as you continue to go through you you start to see and I and I think this is where help Lord for the godly man ceases to be you you start to get the impression from some people both inside Christian circles and and outside that it you know it was all about just overturning Roe right but once again we want to be godly people who are pursuing the holiness and righteousness of God in every conceivable way possible which means we want all life to be saved no matter how young or how early it is and so people who just seem to sort of set this by the wayside or act as if well now we have no more concerns we'll just you know heartbeat bill is enough or a 15-week ceiling is enough without taking into account, as Melissa said, things like the abortion pill or the fact that we believe on conviction that life begins at conception. There is more work to be done. And there's a tendency then when you don't hear or don't see the kind of support that you're anticipating, you can, you can get very discouraged or you can sort of become disillusioned and who knows what other kinds of thoughts or feelings, you know, course through these crazy heads of ours. Psalm 12, I find, is a good, stabilizing passage of Scripture. Read with me. Psalm 12. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases to be, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. They speak falsehood to one another. With flattering lips and with a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that speaks great things, who have said, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Because of the devastation of the afflicted, because of the groaning of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace on the earth, refined seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will preserve him from this generation forever. The wicked strut about on every side when vileness is exalted among the sons of men. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, even as we have sung this morning, would you remind us again that the Lord is our salvation. You have called us and commissioned us to be your witnesses and your servants and we want to be faithful but father we are we ought not to be under any illusions that it is in our effort in our work of persuading or our sweat and toil that any good thing is accomplished help us to be faithful and help us to look to you for the fruit help us father in the midst of that even with discouragement and with opposition not to lose our confidence in the promises that you give us in your word, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to walk through briefly Psalm 12 here. Let me just lay it out for you in the way that we'll attempt to do it. We're going to try to do it in four steps. 
There are a couple different ways that you could probably break a passage like this down, but we're going to do it two verses at a time, and it's going to work out something like this. Verses 1 and 2 represents the complaint. So the psalmist, speaking for the rest of us, gives a complaint, what he sees or what he notices that is not right or ought not to be. Verses 3 through 4, we could say, moves into his prayer or what ought to be perhaps we could say our prayer. Verses 5 and 6 are God's answer. And then verses 7 and 8 close with a word of trust. So our complaint, our prayer, God's answer, and our trust. Start with me at verses 1 and 2, the complaint. Depending on how your translation reads, we, we might want to intensify the language just a little bit. So I'm reading from New American Standard, and New American Standard says in verse 1, Help, Lord, for the godly ceases to be. The word here is, is maybe a little bit more stronger. We might want to say something like, Save, Lord, or Deliver. The, the verb that's used is actually the same root word that's used in names like Joshua or Yeshua. The Lord saves, the Lord delivers. So it's, it's not merely an uncomfortable and, or an unfortunate position that the psalmist finds himself in, but one that he feels like is, uh, is untenable or one that cannot continue to go on as it is. Save, Lord. And here's why. For the godly man ceases to be, the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. So David is looking around, and we don't know what the situation is. We don't know what the circumstances are surrounding his writing of this psalm or perhaps looking back on a period of time in his life that he is now penning this little song. But as David looks around and takes account of his situation and where he finds himself, he looks and says, it's as if I'm standing here all by myself and there is no one who is of the same mind or the same cause that I am. It used to be that I had all of these people standing shoulder to shoulder with me. I look around, I don't see anyone. All of the godly, faithful people disappeared. Where did they go? Right, this is, this is not just an issue, by the way, that pertains to the, the pro-life cause, right? Whether or not politicians are going to hold firm and, and carry through with more gains, or whether or not the church will continue to be steadfast in our convictions concerning the realities of life and death. Right? It doesn't just pertain to, to these things. This is, this is much of the Christian life, right? Society and culture in general, we look around and over the 10 years, it looks like everyone has gone insane. Where did all the sane, rational people go? We haven't even gotten to the godly people yet. Just give me someone who is sane. Right, you ever been there? You ever felt this? It's me on an island. Me serving the Lord, everybody else out to lunch. It ought to be said, but by the way, we, we ought to pause here for a second and say that one of the things that's good about the Psalms is that it gives us an opportunity to express our true feelings 
hear that, our true feelings while also being reminded that what we feel is not true. Do you hear that? I think when David wrote the psalm, he truly felt like he was a man alone, or at least that he did not have the support and the encouragement that he needed. That is a true feeling. We truly feel isolated and abandoned sometimes by those people that we thought would be close support and strength for us. Is that necessarily true? No. Think, for example, of Elijah in 1 Kings. You remember after he has the showdown with the Baal prophets? slaughters several hundred. He's discouraged to find that it hasn't then brought in this wellspring of joy and delight that he would expect. Now his life is under threat, so he goes on the run. Twice in one chapter, the Lord asks Elijah what he's doing, that he's now left everyone and running out in the wilderness. And Elijah says this, I think it's in 1 Kings 18. He says, I have been very zealous for the Lord the God of hosts. For the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, they've torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left. And they seek my life to take it away. I alone am left. Is that a true feeling on Elijah's part? Yes. Was it true? No. Because the Lord comes back and says, in part, that Elijah, I will preserve and keep 7,000 men who have still not bowed the knee to Baal. The challenge so often in life, especially when we are trying to do the Lord's work and when we are trying to grow in righteousness and in godliness and when we're trying to pursue Christ, is that it can feel very, very lonely. It can feel as if we are isolated. But listen, brothers and sisters, you need to understand that so long as God keeps his church, there will never be a point in time where a Christian is truly alone. You may feel that way, but that is not true. Back to the psalm, David is looking around, feels as if he's been left alone. He's out here fighting the good fight all by himself. He's the only one who's serious about his walk with the Lord or pursuing, uh, pursuing uh, the Lord. In place of all the godly, faithful people, verse 2, as David looks around, he finds instead people who speak falsehood to one another with flattering lips and with a double heart they speak. Instead of the godly, righteous, faithful people who used to surround me, I feel as if I'm all alone and now I'm surrounded by people. You can't trust anything that they say. They are utterly deceitful. They flatter for the sake of gaining something. No, no true... No true genuine care or compassion, and they are 
literally in, what is that, verse 2, with double heart, they speak from heart to heart. They're duplicitous. They say one thing, but they believe another. This is the situation. Number two, that leads to the prayer. What does David want then? Yes, David wants to be delivered. He wants to be saved. That's what we want. We don't want to be surrounded by these kinds of people. Verses three and four. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that speaks great things, who have said, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? What does David want? What does he ask for? Cut them off. Seems harsh, doesn't it? Shouldn't David be a little bit more loving, a little bit more compassionate, a little bit more patient? Cut them off. Remove them. Get them out of the way. Why would, why would that kind of a prayer be offered up? Why, if in verse 1, the initial expression of David's heart and mind is, save me, get me out of here, why would he care about what happens after the Lord takes him and puts him in another spot? Why then pray in verse 3 that the Lord would cut these people off? In part, it's because what these people are saying is revealing the fact that it's more than just an issue of speech or a disagreement about a policy issue or personal taste, but as they speak, these people are demonstrating by what they say that they are anti-God. They hate God. They rebel against him. They say what we declare will be. They're not concerned with the fact that God has said something completely opposite to what they are wanting to do. They are attempting to make themselves God in the place of God. Hold your place here. Go over to Romans chapter 1. Skip down to verse 28. Romans 1, 28, and Paul says, And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. Some of these very things are mentioned in Psalm 12. 
They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And then listen, verse 32. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. In Psalm 12, David wants these godless people to be removed as an act of righteous judgment because by their speech, they're saying the quiet part out loud. They're saying, we don't care what God has said. This is what we will do. And beyond just the fact that they are going to do what is in their heart and mind, in opposition to and in disobedience to what God has declared, Romans 1 says that they not only do what they know to be contrary to God's will, but they actually give approval to others who would do the same thing. So here's where we might need to pause a little bit and say that we ought to slow down and read very carefully. Because when you read through the first four verses of Psalm 12, if you're one of those sort of fire and brimstone type people, right? You're, if not verbally, because we're Baptists here, right? In your heart, you're amening all of this. Yeah, that's right. Take care of it, Lord. Deal with the problem. Yes, that's right. Go talk to your friends. Go talk to your neighbors. Go talk to family. Post that Facebook rant. Verses three and four is a prayer. We ought to ask ourselves, as those who want to champion the cause of life, that for all of our frustration or for all of our disillusionment with things that may not go exactly as planned or may not move at the rate that we would like to see it, how much do we actually pray? Let me not put this on you, let me put it on me. I am far more apt and far more comfortable voicing my opinion and complaining to someone else than I am to get alone with God and to pray. For all the time that we spend fuming at the news, at the TV screen, at the computer screen, commiserating with one another, Half, even just half of that kind of time and energy, do we give even half of that to calling out to the only person who can do something about it? God, help us that we don't become the kind of arrogant, callous people 
who find a greater joy in condemning other people than we do in communing with God and asking for him to do his work through us for the good of our families and the communities around us. Every complaint, if we are reading Psalm 12 well, if there is a complaint in verses 1 through 2 and a prayer that's offered up in verses 3 and 4, we ought to be instructed by that progression and that structure. Every complaint that we offer ought to be followed up with prayer. And if we're not going to pray about it, we ought not complain about it. Number three, God's answer. Look at verses 5 and 6. Because of the devastation of the afflicted, because of the groaning of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace on the earth, refined seven times. Just make a, a couple quick observations here, particularly from verse 5. At the very end of verse 5, when the Lord says, I will set him in the safety for which he longs, that word there, safety, is from the same root word as the verb in verse 1. So when, when David is saying, save, Lord, that's what's happening in verse 5. I'm going to give him the safety, the saving that he desires. So, so God is hearing the prayer he hears the groans of his people, and he responds to what it is that he's hearing. Here's the difficulty, though, or here's the challenge. The challenge comes in, this, in that line, that last half of verse 5, the statement, Now I will arise, says the Lord. In, in the structure of the poem, of the song, that, that word now is given an emphatic position in terms of the word ordering. So there's your, as you're reading in the Old Testament in the Hebrew, your eyes are falling. You're going to hear in your reading of the verse an emphasis on the fact that it's a now kind of delivering that's taking place. The point being that now the Lord is going to act, which means that prior to now, he supposedly or presumably has not been acting. Right? If he had been acting, if he had been saving and delivering, he wouldn't say, now I will act. Everyone, you see that? You, or you hear it? Now, because of the cries of my people, now I will do something that I was not previously doing. Hold your place here and go to Luke chapter 18. God's people calling out for justice, calling out for deliverance, calling for the godly to, or the ungodly, the unjust to be dealt with, for deceivers to be taken away. And God, after a period of time, saying, now I will act. Why would he delay? Listen to one of the parables that Jesus gives in Luke 18 that touches on this very idea. Luke 18, 1. 
Now, Jesus was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night, and will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Even Jesus says, that his people will find themselves in periods and, and times in their lives in which they are calling out to the righteous judge to intervene on their behalf or to intervene on behalf of the weak and the defenseless. And it seems like God is not moving a muscle. What will you do? Do you say, I prayed for a week and nothing happened, therefore, I guess God just doesn't care about it. I'm not going to pray anymore. Guess I better get back to complaining. Or do you go back and you look at Psalm 12 and you say that after verse 5 says that the Lord will deliver the weak and the needy because he hears their groanings. And then you look and you see in verse 6, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace on the earth refined seven times. Will you take encouragement and hope in the fact that everything that the Lord has said is reliable and trustworthy? You will continue to pray because you know that the Lord has promised to answer your prayers. All of these other people make cheap, empty promises just for whatever the need of the moment is, just to serve their own purposes. They can't be counted on. They can't be relied upon. But God says every single word that comes from my mouth is something that you can build and bank your life on. Do you trust me? Or, perhaps more to the point, how long will you trust me? And then last point, number four. Even with the assurance in verses five and six that the Lord in his providential timing will move on behalf of the weak and the defenseless, he will deliver and save his people from an ungodly world, set them in the safety for which they long. Notice the tension that still exists by the time you get to the end of Psalm 12. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will preserve him from this generation forever. 
The wicked strut about on every side when vileness is exalted among the sons of men. Do you, that seem odd to anyone? That it ends on such a downer? In other words, the problem that David highlighted in verse 1 at the beginning, that the godly and faithful seem to have disappeared, that it's only the ungodly, deceitful, duplicitous people that are running the show and left around. By the time you get to the end of Psalm 12, it seems like that David, by the time he is done praying, finds himself in the exact same position as when he went to his knees to begin with. It ends the psalm saying that these people who need to be removed still continue to hold their sway after I have gotten up and finished my prayer. Which drives us back to verses 5 and 6. But if the Lord has said that in his time, according to his good pleasure, according to the counsel of his will, that he will bring forth a kingdom that ushers in perfect righteousness and peace. Then the Lord knows how to keep and how to preserve his people and keep them enduring firm and steadfast to the end. Listen, we all hope and pray that on any number of issues that are corrupting our society and culture around us, we all hope and pray that God in his kindness would be so good and merciful to allow our eyes to see some of the changes that need to happen. Some of us would love nothing more to, than to be one of the servants or one of the instruments who are a catalyst to bringing about that kind of change or transformation. But Psalm 12 ends as if to say that the Lord calls his people to be faithful, to be trusting, to do the work that he has called them to do, to be steadfast and immovable, knowing that their work is not in vain. Knowing that there is a time coming when God himself will right every wrong and when his king will remove all of the pretenders, all of the false authorities, all of the lying and the deceitful, and righteousness will rule and reign in a new heaven and new earth, and we will enjoy ourselves forever. Until then, we labor and we work. Let's pray. Father, would you grant to us, your people, for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, a steadfast spirit, one that is not easily swayed or discouraged by the opposition that we face as your people, who would not judge the final outcome based on the progress or the rate of change that we see or even that we don't see. 
but that we would remain firmly fixed on the word that you have delivered to us. And Father, would you, along with that steadfastness, give to us a spirit of prayer that we would be more apt and more eager to run to you to cry for help, to lay our complaints and our burdens at your feet than we would be to commiserate, even with our brothers and sisters, that we would be more eager and desirous to commune with you even in our trouble, in our despair, than we would be to confront those around us. Father, help us to find that right balance Help us to live as Jesus Christ himself would live in these days and in these times. Thank you for your promises to us that assure us that your good purpose will be accomplished no matter of what we see happening in the world around us. Help us to be faithful and steadfast knowing that our labor is not in vain. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. And as we close, we're going to close with the last verse of It Is Will. And Lord, haste the day when our face shall be turned to sight. I invite you to stand to your feet as we close with this wonderful hymn. As the band makes a mad dash to the front, right? It's okay. And Lord, haste the day when the face shall be signed. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the chapter 3 verses 15 and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful God bless